Praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis. I'm Curtis Hutchinson. I'm glad you tuned in with us today or whatever day it is to hear this teaching on the book of Galatians, this letter rather to the Galatian churches. And uh, we are hearing uh, lots of things and uh, learning lots of things. But, of course, our learning comes in the application of the Word. When we surrender to the truth and allow the Holy Spirit to work the truth into our lives, that's when we learn. We don't learn in this setting. We hear in this setting. And then we, when we leave, we allow or we disallow the Holy Spirit to work these truths into our lives. And we learn to live according to the Word of God by faith. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, if you're anywhere in our area, uh, Pastor Lauren Larson will be in New Boston, Texas this weekend, only 40 minutes from us. And there, and Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday night, and Sunday morning uh, like normal. Uh, if you're close to us or if you're a, a member of Crossway Church, uh, we're taking the church van in the morning, leaving at 9 o'clock to take at least 15 people uh, if they show up to New Boston. So if you want to go be here at the church before 9, we're leaving at 9. And, uh, and also that night, tomorrow night, the church van will be going back, leaving at 5.50 p.m. So praise God for the opportunity. This whole region we live in over the last several years has been saturated with the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, with these ministers coming in and churches being raised up that uh, proclaim uh, the message of the cross. And I'm just thankful that we're one of them here in Queen City, Texas, and glad to be studying the Bible. There's nothing better to be studying. And uh, I got a letter this morning, I opened it this morning, got it yesterday, opened it uh, from an inmate. We mail uh, every week five expositor study Bibles to inmates across the land. And I opened the letter this morning, was reading it, and uh, and it said, I, you know, I'm, I'm serving a sentence here in, incarcerated in prison for drugs. And uh, I'm, I was able to see one of the expositor study Bibles uh, and uh, I'd like to have one, of course. They asked for one. And he said, I, my parents raised me right. They've always been spiritual. They've always given God their spare time. And that kind of struck me odd this morning. That, And I'm, I wouldn't call his name or even tell you where he's incarcerated at, but because we don't know him, and it doesn't matter who he is, but I, I, that just knocked me back for a loop, you know, because that's the mentality of a lot of people. We give God any spare time we might have. Uh, you know, and that's why folks that should be here this morning in the studio are not here, that go to our church, and they live right here close to us. But uh, all these things, you know, they, th that's their spare time. You know, you listen, if all we're giving God is our spare time, we're not in the will of God. God doesn't want your spare time. God wants every second of your time. That doesn't mean to be at the church every second, but He wants every thought of your heart focused on Him. And if we've got that mentality of, I'll give God any extra time I have, any spare time, I promise you, my friend, you're going to wake up in some kind of jail, whether it's a penitentiary or it's a spiritual penitentiary. You're going to be locked up somewhere bound because we're not here to give God our spare time. We're here to give God all our time. He is a consuming fire, and He wants to consume our hearts. Amen. Praise God. I just felt I needed to share that. That wasn't a, a Bible commercial, although if you help us with the funds, we can send more out. Got a stack of letters that big. That just caught me off guard this morning uh, to, to hear someone say that, that my parents have always been faithful to God. Uh, they've always served God in their spare time. And I thought, wow, spare time. It's a good thing that's not the only time I could serve God because I wouldn't have any. Amen. And that's the excuse of a lot of people. I don't have any spare time for God. God's not asking for your spare time. He's asking for your whole heart, all your life. And when you got born again, that's supposedly what you gave Him, your life. Amen, Brother Curtis. I know somebody turned us off. That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> Amen. Galatians chapter 2. Uh, we'll back up a verse or two and start in verse 5 this week. And, and this is a very important uh, a portion of Scripture to be studying. 
because this was really no different than it is today, yet it was the early church attempting to, to be birthed. To, it was already birthed, but to attempting to grow, attempting to learn how to walk in sanctification. And what a struggle it was between Christian Jews and Christian Gentiles and probably even between the... In, in the ranks of the, the Jewish Christians and the ranks of uh, the Gentile Christians. In, inside the church, there's always division. And, but there doesn't have to be. The reason there is is because we move our focus from the cross to lots of other things, and those other things are what divide us. The cross is what brought us together. It's the only place we can be saved. It's the only place we can come together and, and have a true uh, unity of the faith of the Son of God. It's the only place we've been brought together by God. And so if we stay at the cross with our faith, I mean, then we can stay together. But we, we move apart and there's great division. There always has been great division. But studying the Word, you learn so much of what was going on during this time and you have a greater appreciation for the grace of God. Not necessarily Paul. Thank God for Paul and his stance, but it took the grace of God for Paul to do what he did. And as we read these things, we don't ever need to exalt Paul or exalt those people, although we thank God for our brother Paul, who was the apostle who stood his ground and remained determined to, to know nothing else in, in the face of whoever it might have been. And so, uh, it, but it's the grace of God it's Christ that we magnify because it was God at work in and through the Apostle Paul. And was, that was even recognized by the Jewish church, the, the church in Jerusalem. That at least was recognized by them. And we see in these scriptures that even as they agreed what Paul would, would, would be called by God to do, it was about like my parents and all my relatives when I graduated high school. They all pitched in and bought me luggage. They, you know, I, I, I love you. you. You're our son, our nephew, or whatever. But you know what? And that's really what happened to Paul. Yes, we see you're a Christian. We see that God has saved you. We see that God is saving others through you. But go do it out there. We agree that you're called to do it out there among the Gentiles. And, and, there, and, and that's really what uh, giving them the right hand of fellowship was also with an agreement that you're going you're going to take to deal with the Gentiles because he was he was causing issues uh, among the Jerusalem church members, uh, starting with James the pastor, and and uh, and 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 even the Jews that were out there, and that's why the Judaizers were chasing them down, and we'll see some of that today. But I want to get into this before we run out of time. Galatians chapter 2 verse 5, uh, he's talking about when he says, to whom we gave place by subjection, no, not for an hour, uh, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. Uh, he's talking about those Judaizers, those folks who had come in uh, to the meeting there, who the, uh, you back up and read it, it said they came in privately, false brother and unawares that they might spy out our liberty, this liberty we have in Christ, but it also says to bring us back under bondage. That means they were showing up to, to, to bring people back under the law, which is always bondage. And I'm not talking about just the law of the Jews that they had, but the law that you might have in your own local church, the law that you have to do this, you have to do that if you want to find God's salvation or deliverance. And it's huge in the church today if these people are even saved. I'm not the judge, thank God for that. Wouldn't be nobody on earth but me if I was a judge, ain't that right? Isn't that just being honest? Because I, I would, after the flesh, I would have accused all guilty except for me, of course. And that's what the flesh does. But anyway, uh, I want to say just a small something about this verse 5. The reason Paul, by grace through faith, stood his ground is so that the truth of the gospel could continue with these Galatians. Christians. And that's what you and I must do. God has been able to bring, and He's daily bringing people. I said daily right now. He's bringing people out of the bondage of law that's been heaped on them for years back to faith and grace, true faith and grace, which means simple childlike faith in the cross alone. 
and, and, and he, he did not subject himself to them. I don't believe Paul was ugly. I don't believe he was mean or obnoxious. But I believe he did not accept what they were saying about the law and all these things. And they said some pretty powerful things. Uh, uh, if, if you look at last week's broadcast, we read in Acts 21 where they said, Yeah, James told Paul in, in one, one of his visits to Jerusalem, Yeah, man, there's thousands of uh, Jews being saved and now they're more zealous for the law now than ever before. They're going the wrong direction. So to say the least, they were living under the law even though they were saved. And under the law, you're bound. You're in bondage. Because Christ redeemed those that were under the law, getting us out from under the law, so we wouldn't have to go back under the law. So... I just wanted to recover that a little bit. Paul said to the Galatians and to us that he gave no place to them, I believe, but the door. That's the only place Paul was giving them was the door. And uh, we do not share pulpits. I read this last week. We need to read it again. We do not share pulpits. We do not fellowship with those who refuse the way of sanctification being the way of the cross. And we mark them, which means we point them out. Someone showed a clip of Jansen Franklin, uh, a world-known preacher because he's got enough money to be all over world television. And uh, that's the only reason these preachers are known, because they got enough money to get on television. If it weren't for that, they wouldn't be known. And, uh, he, and, and his big, what he's known for is fasting, is the answer for deliverance. That's what he's known for. The answer is fasting, and he was, and he, and apparently he's getting riled up because he's been called out for years on it. And you know, and that's why we continue to preach the truth of the gospel because it just hammers away at false doctrine, and it shows eventually people are leaving those ministries. Praise God, people are leaving those ministries, and that's when those preachers start throwing fits when people start leaving them to come back to true faith and grace. And he's on there screaming, "Why can't we just all look?" At each other through the mercy of God. And really, because he's not looking at everybody through the mercy of God, he's looking at everybody through what his works are. And every preacher out there that's not focused on Calvary has got their own corner, they think, on some topic in God's Word. And that's what they think God is using to save and to sanctify. And if it's not the cross, they're under law. And they get riled up when folks go out and start preaching the gospel and folks start trickling out of their churches and stop giving money to them because at the root of that is what it's all about anyway. It's money. And when they start losing people who are going back to Calvary back to true faith and grace. They get riled up and start saying things. Why can't we just all get along? Aren't we all Christians? And, and these kind of things. I remember being at, a, at, at the, at the Telford uh, uh, State Penitentiary in New Boston, Texas a few years ago. And right before we went in, there was a man there. I won't call his name. He's, he's, he's known all. He, I think he died, but he's known all over this region by a business he had and his sons still have. <clears throat> but he... When I got there, the me and I was going to had invited me to go in. They were in a confrontation, and they were telling him, "We can't go in with you anymore because you're going in passing out these books to these inmates that will that, that that's law. It's it's not of God. It's and and he said, "I just want to read you a scripture." And the guy said, "I don't need you reading me scripture." You mean to tell me you're going to let them men in there go to hell because you can't go in there with us? And he tries to put the blame. They always will put the blame on you. And when you're simply trying to preach the truth of the gospel without any additives, the truth who is Jesus of the good news of God, which is what he did at Calvary. Amen. And so we didn't go in the prison system with, with them, uh, and 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 he threw no small. He, he threw a fit. He said this, and I was standing in the background, never said a word. I wasn't going to get involved until he said this. He said, "Ever since that Swaggart guy has been on the radio in our area, spewing venom out of his mouth, things have not been right." And at that point, I stepped up and said, I can't go anywhere with you, sir. And not because he spoke negative about Brother Swaggart, but because he called what they were preaching venom. See, that's what people of the law do. 
They can't stand it when pure truth comes. They have to cling to their law and fight. And they'll send people out to spy out your liberty, to rip you out of your liberty, to get you in the bondage they're in. Now, they don't know they're in bondage, but they can't stand the freedom that you have in the Spirit. They don't even understand it. But because their faith is not in the cross alone, the Holy Spirit cannot give them the assurance that we have. He cannot give them the confidence we have. They have a confidence in the flesh, we have a confidence in the Spirit. And they don't know all that, but we do. And they're jealous of that. It it's all happens in the Spirit. We need to learn to recognize what's happening in the Spirit. And that can only be done through faith in the cross. Faith outside the cross, you're in a place of ignorance as far as the Spirit goes. The Spirit of God I speak of. So, uh, Galatians 2.6, Paul goes on to say, uh, but, and I think I forgot to mention, and I'll do it before I forget it, <laughs> that today's the 23rd of February 2018. This is our 16th session, and I forgot to pray too, so Lord, help us today. Give us the understanding we need, Lord, of your word. Give us this bread of life wisdom. Lord, touch those that are sick today. Lord, in this room, those watching online, Lord, give us this revelation of Jesus. Lord, you told us the word was about you. And so I'm asking you to reveal yourself to us, and I know you came to do that through the cross, and we see your word through the revelation of your shed blood, and I thank you for a greater revelation today, Lord. I thank you for imparting and engrafting the truth of the gospel in our hearts, God, and I thank you for it today in the name of Jesus. Amen. See, it's never too late to pray. Amen. Pray. I had already prayed. I always do. But you know what? I like to pray in, in, in the midst of the teaching, too. And I believe God always gives us what we ask for if it's according to His will. And when you're asking for a greater picture, a revelation, an illumination in your heart of His Son, He's all after that. That's what He's after. That's, that's all He's ever spoken His Word about. From Genesis to Revelation, every word that comes out of the mouth of God, Jesus said was about Him, and we have life through Him. Amen. It's all about Jesus, every bit of it. You know, I was reading the other day, I've been studying, and I know I'm chasing a rabbit, but these trails are good trails. I was reading the other day, and about, I've been studying a little bit in Genesis, and, and it's amazing to me that, when the, that, that Noah kept a diary, and it's called the Word of God today, and God had him uh, notate right down the, the year, uh, the, the month, and the day of the month. Uh, uh, that the ark rested, and 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 the day they came out and everything. And I want you to know the same day of the month that Jesus was resurrected on was the same day of the month the ark rested and it set in place. I, that is just in, amazing to me. Another thing that's amazing to me is when it rested and they thought, all right, that's it, we can go. It was another entire week before God opened the door. Another week. And that's just God saying, I'm giving them one more week. I'm talking about before He shut the door, rather. Before God shut the door, He had Moses, uh, Moses, Noah and his family load up in the ark and He waited another week. Before he shut the door. That's his extended reach and weight and long suffering. Please, one more week. 120 years of preaching, but he's given one more week. One more week. And I find that amazing that our God is merciful. And today, my friend, might be your last week. This might be your last week, but let me tell you, if it was, if it is, ends up being your last week, then it was God's offering you everything in Christ in this last week. Praise God. In Galatians 2, 6, is, But of these who seemed to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it makes no matter to me. God accepts no man's person. That's it. That, that right there gives you a hint of what's going on right here. It's something about persons, and we'll talk about that. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. If, and if others, and I got this written in my notes here, if others can't add, they will try to take away. 
And let me tell you something. When God was able to bring us and others that he's bringing back to faith and grace, biblical faith and grace, which means faith in the cross alone, anybody who has their faith in anything else has nothing to add to me. Nothing. And if they have nothing to add, that means then they're only there to take away the liberty that I have. And when the Bible here, and I'm going to read, I've got a lot of notes on this one scripture, and I don't want to miss anything that, that I've studied and that I wrote down, so I'm going to read through these notes. Here we see the choice that must be made, the gospel or the law, God or man. Who are we going to serve? You can't serve God under law. You can't serve God under law. We're out of that dispensation, and, and, and in all reality, th those folks under the old covenant, even though they brought animal sacrifices, even though their faith was in the coming Redeemer, and when they died, they would go to paradise. Listen, they were still under law. You and I, in this dispensation of grace, when we accept Christ as the Lamb of God for the forgiveness of our sins, we're born again, we are removed, we become dead to the law. It's a whole new era we're living in. We need to be thankful for that. Praise the Lord. We need to be thankful for that. And, and we're, either, we're either preaching the gospel or we're preaching law. We're either serving man or serving God. And justification and sanctification was on trial here. And I want to read to you the first verse. Let me see, it's way down here. Hadn't got there yet, but I want to read it anyway right now. Acts 15, 1 and 2. And you need to highlight this in your Bibles. You need to remember this is where the Judaizers are telling them, you're not saved. It wasn't just like, yeah, thank God for Jesus. Okay, but now you've got to do this. Watch this, Acts 15, 1 and 2. And certain men which came down from Judea, that's the church in Jerusalem, taught the brothers and said... Now, some, some way they had a pulpit. And that might not have been a wooden box, but they were going around and they were teaching the people. You see that. Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. It's in your Bible. Here it is. So, to say the least... If these were Christian Jews coming out of Jerusalem, they were bound under the law. That, now, let me say this. That's the nicest thing that could be said. There are worse things that could be said. God only knows their hearts. But when you accept Christ and you go back under the law, you, you're headed in a wrong direction, my friend. And a wrong direction always makes your faith eventually shipwrecked. And there you lose your soul. Don't turn me off because I said that. Because all through the Bible, there's mentions of teachings clearly taught that you would have to pervert the Scriptures to say you couldn't lose your soul. John 15, Jesus taught it. If you read it like it's written. Hebrews 6, it says it. Romans 11 says it. Uh, uh, in the book of Revelation says Christ will spew you out of his mouth. That means vomit you out. And so don't go with what grandma and grandpa taught you in their perverted way of understanding Scripture. Believe it as a child as it is written. When the Bible says, and Jesus taught, for those who have ears to hear, hear. That is a select group of people, my friend, that will not run out here for somebody's uh, interpretation other than what that says. What the Bible says, we believe it, for only those have ears to hear. If you run, if the book of Acts talks about the, the church was being baptized with the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and you're nervous about that, and you don't really want to go that way, but you know it's in the Bible, and you run and find a preacher that you know is not going that way to get his okay not to go that way, you have gone the wrong way, my friend. You need to forget 
everything and believe God. Stand on His... I don't care if your wife or your husband or your mama or your daddy would throw you out. It's better to be thrown out of your family than the kingdom. Hallelujah. And and I'm not saying just because you're not baptized with the Holy Spirit speaking in a tongues, other tongues, God's going to kick you out. I am saying this. When you start rejecting what is written in the Word of God that Jesus commanded His disciples to be filled, filled with the Holy Spirit, when you start rejecting God's Word in its written context, then you are rejecting God. And grace cannot flow. So you're pretending it after that point. Amen, Brother Curtis. Well, bless God, I don't have to believe you. You sure don't. The Judaizers didn't have to believe Paul. You don't have to go to heaven. You don't have to do a thing, man. But you do have to go to heaven or hell. You get to choose. You do have to live a life of victory or defeat. And God's only provided one way to heaven, and that same way to heaven is on the way to heaven, living in victory on the way there, and that's through the blood, my friend. The Judaizers have to tell lies to draw anyone away from the true faith. See, circumcision can't save you. Paul reminds them that it was the Holy Spirit who was working effectually in him and Peter. When he says here in verse 8, he's, no, well, whoop, 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 whoop. I'm, I'm reading Acts 15, 1 and 2. Let's get back to that. I'm out, I'm out of place here. Y'all confusing me this morning. <laughs> We've got to put that Adam blame on somebody. And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brothers and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. We have that in our world today. Unless you are water baptized, you cannot be saved. That's works, that's law. And Titus 1.16 says, They profess that they know God and deny Him while denying Him by their works. If your faith is in anything you do for salvation or sanctification, you're denying God. It's a denial of God to say, I must do something to get saved. That's works. That's a denial of God. To say, I must do something to, to be sanctified. That's a denial of God. It doesn't matter if you're mad. It doesn't matter if you disagree. You're in disagreement with the Word of God, who is God. Remember, uh, let me finish this, when Verse 2, Acts 15, verse 2. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, that means it was a huge debate, a huge dis, uh, 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 disputation and dissension. There was a massive argument. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about the question. See, they come in proclaiming you got to be circumcised. Paul is saying that can't save you. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that can save you. So, so Paul doesn't have a compromising heart. He's standing. So they say, okay, let's at least go to Jerusalem and ask them because they knew Jesus. They walked with Jesus. See, here comes what we talked about, that person's thing. Let's go back to where we were and read that scripture again. Verse 6, Galatians 2. But of those who seemed to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, <laughs> it makes no matter to me. God accepts no man's person. For they who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. We can go back to Jerusalem. And we can present the question, but it won't move me. It'll just have to, they will have to agree or disagree, but whatever they do will prove what their faith is in. Even saved people can move their faith from the cross to works. Yes, it's, it's, it's being born again by the blood of Jesus through faith, by the grace of God, which is the cross of Jesus. And then we're water baptized, but not for salvation. Then we take communion, but not for salvation. Then we study the Word, go to church, give tithes and offerings, pray and fast, but not for salvation. 
Jesus by himself atoned for our sins, purged us from our sins. Hebrews 1 and 3 tells us that. You can't add or take away from it. If you do, you're in danger of adding or taking away from the book. And the danger of adding to the book is having the plagues of the book added to your life. The danger of taking away from the book, which means taking away from God's saving grace, His plan of redemption, means that your name will be removed from the Lamb's book of life. That's the words of Jesus to the John to write. See, but we don't like that. That's a little bit too narrow-minded. That's a little bit too well. That must mean something else. No, that means... What it says, for those who have ears to hear, and hearing comes by faith in the Word of God. No other way, not faith in that preacher that wants to tell me what it really means. No, faith in the Word of God as it is written. So, let me read some more of these. Uh, Romans chapter 6 reveals that God can only be served if righteousness is being served. And righteousness can only be served if our faith is in the cross. Now, you need to go study that. These cross-eyed people, we've been learning that for 12, 13 years. Some of them longer than I have. Some of them 20 years, 21 years this year. And, and, but you need to learn that. You need to get you a Bible. You need to get in Rome, uh, Romans chapter 6. And you need to watch the progressive walk of sanctification through there. That how you became a servant of righteousness uh, is how you were saved from sin. And it's and, and and the Bible calls it serving righteousness. When you believed in Jesus and what he did for you at Calvary, in that moment you were freed from sin and became a servant of righteousness. But the Bible there continues to say that you now must yield your members to serve this righteousness, or you cannot serve God and holiness cannot be seen. The fruit will not be there, and if holiness cannot be seen, no man can see the Lord. Nobody can see the Lord. The only people on the planet who have ever seen the Lord are the people who have their faith in the cross, for that is the way we see the Lord. Amen. That's the way we see the Lord, is by looking not at just a concentration on a bloody sacrifice, but believing by faith what was provided us through Jesus, the sacrifice for us. Amen. So, and you need to get that in your heart. And you, when you get Romans 6 understood in your heart, the Holy Spirit wants to teach you that more than anything else. Because if you get out of that order, you go back under law, and God, you fall from grace, which is the place God can work in your life. There will always be those who seem to be somewhat, as Paul calls it. But the Lord is raising up a new generation of leaders who are counting everything dung up until now and are clinging to the cross. I'm telling you, those false prophets are out there saying God's doing a new thing. And they're saying a lot of right words, but the new thing they're claiming He's doing is not, a, is not what God's doing. The new thing God's doing is the new thing He did 2,000 years ago. The only thing that makes new people out of, out of heaps of trash and garbage. It's the blood of Jesus. It's the cross of Christ. That's the focus of God. And always has been. If He proved that before He even uh, uh, did anything in the world or created the world. He'd already laid the cornerstone in, the, in His love for you, which was the Lamb slain. Already had the answer for everything before we started. Not the answer for your spare time, the answer for all your life. Those walking with the Lord will only be recognized by others who are walking with the Lord. And they are those who are clinging to the cross. Everybody else is going to be mad at you. Everybody else is going to have some friction there. They will also recognize those who are not walking with the Lord, even though claiming they are. And i got to say this this morning. Let me make me a mark here so I won't forget where I'm at. You who have been brought back to the cross are the only ones on the planet who have eyes to see. We only see through the blood. 
the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against those who hold His truth in unrighteousness. Romans 1.18. It's revealed. Somebody's seeing this. This is being revealed right now. And, and, and I don't care how sweet somebody may be or how much Bible they might quote, when they reveal the object of their faith, that's how we know them. We don't know people by the Scripture they're quoting. The devil comes to quote Scripture. We don't know people by their outer works even that can appear to be so good. We know them by the object of their faith, which will immediately come out. It's not hidden. We're going to reveal it because we believe what we believe with the heart and out of the abundance of the heart, whatever that object of faith is, will come out the mouth. And the Bible says we are as we believe in the heart. So we're either walking in faith, the faith in the cross, and that's coming out our mouth, or we're walking under the law, and that's coming out our mouth. And you can't escape that, my friend. You can't fake God out in this for sure. And listen to me carefully. You can't fake those who have eyes to see out. We don't know the motives of a heart. We don't know the intentions of a heart. But we know in a moment the object of faith because it will be revealed. We reveal what we're trusting in. We're going to tell it what we're trusting in. Even if it's in a roundabout way and an unaware that we're even doing it. So again, if we're going to know the false prophets by their fruit, it's by the object of their faith. Because false prophets are out doing some good stuff today. It appears to be good, but it's not good in the eyes of God because the object of their faith is something other than what allows Him to work in and through their lives. It's not a faith that works by love, even though what they're doing seems really loving. It's not a faith. If it's not faith in the cross, it's not a faith that's working and driven by this love. Therefore, it only has an appearance of love. The man that reached for the ark of the covenant to keep it from falling off the wagon when the oxen drove it through a pothole. Listen, man, that appeared that was an act of love to keep that holy thing from touching the ground. But God doesn't move and judge based on outwardly things. God has made judgment based on what the heart believes. He only looks on the heart. You say, no, he sees that woman out there going naked. God's not paying attention to that naked woman. He's paying attention to that heart inside that woman that's making her run around naked. Amen. God sees the problem before we see it. I just want to make that clear today. You and I, as cross-eyed believers, as those God has been able to bring to repentance and confess that, yes, God, we were wrong, we've done wrong, we've taught wrong, we've preached wrong, we've pointed the wrong direction, and we repent, God, with broken hearts, not just crying a few tears and saying, all right, glory, I made it through. No, He brings us back to Calvary. And there we stay, there we stay determined, because only there can we see. Not to be discerners of the, of the Spirit that we have, that, that ability by the Spirit at the cross, but not to judge other people, but to judge by their fruits, to judge righteous judgment, to know what is really going on. Paul knew what was going on when he went back to Jerusalem. They didn't, but Paul did. Can I say that again? They didn't, but Paul knew because his faith was in what allows him to know, what allows him to see what God is saying and what God is doing. Outside of faith in the cross alone, there is no eyesight. There is no knowing what God is doing. Therefore, we get caught in ruts of doing and calling it God because it has some appearance of love and hospitality and, and, and all these other things that we might want to add to it and all these things. But the object for God to touch in humanity is the heart. For there we believe what we believe. And we reveal what it is we believe with our words and our lives. Note here that Paul says that they had nothing to add to him, meaning there was no proper unity there. If there would have been a right unity, there would have been something they could have added. 
We're talking about the early church. If, listen, if we're in a room together and you don't have anything to add to me, it's because you're not in agreement with me. That means there's no unity there. There's no unity there. They just wanted to hurry up and get rid of Paul. And we'll see that as time goes on here in this, in this letter. Uh, the reason they had uh, note here that Paul says they had nothing to add to him, meaning there was no proper unity there, but only disagreement according to the liberty and freedom Christ had given him and an apparent boasting of those in Jerusalem over him, over others. That was, that was, this is part of the main reason this letter is written, because you've got these Judaizers coming down, and in their mind they're thinking, Paul, he can't hold a candle to Peter and James. He didn't know Jesus. He didn't walk walk with Jesus. He doesn't have any of the life stories. But let me tell you what Paul did have. He had something they didn't have. Paul had the very significance of the life and the death of Jesus. They didn't have that. All they had was stories about what he did there. But you know what? What Jesus did in that day, the only way that those stories can have any effect on us, significance in our lives, is if we come to him through the blood. Jesus healing blind Bartimaeus and the woman and with the issue of blood, well, you're not either one of them. And the way we get to him for anything is through the blood. Not when I'm 10 years old and now I'm just in and it's going to work out no matter what. No, Jesus said, if you're going to come after me, if you want what I got to give, you're going to deny yourself and take up your cross every day and follow me. Praise be to God. Thanks for the revelation that we've received by the Spirit. Hallelujah. The reason they had nothing to add to Paul was that even though, and I just quoted this, I just said this, in, even though the life and death of Jesus was in safe keeping with these men, and don't think I'm demeaning the life of Jesus, it was very important that we saw every step he took, every word he spoke, every work he did, because he was representing, as a matter of fact, he went far, as so far to say, as every word I speak is not my words, it's my Father's. Every work I do is not really me working, it's my Father working in me. His life was of utmost importance but it didn't save a soul. His life didn't save anybody. His death brought us into the fold. His death brought us in. His, but he had to be a perfect, spotless man, man to make him the perfect, spotless Lamb of God to be that perfect sacrifice. And the pages you read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's the Word of God. That's important that you know the life of Jesus. But it's also important that you know these men that who wrote those Gospels really were really in a disagreement with Paul. Because Paul had was claiming to have the revelation of what made that life so significant. Because he would, he would take as a perfect man his life and lay it down. They all believed that. These men were saved. Paul, James, Peter, John, they were born again by the blood. But now it's time. And God started it immediately, at least immediately, when he gave Paul, the apostle, the revelation of the cross. Now it's time to start learning how to let that life that you saw lived while you were with Jesus be lived through you. It's called sanctification. Let me read this again. Even though the life and death of Jesus was in safekeeping with these men and was immensely important because He is our example, the significance of that life and death was in the revelation Paul had received. None of the others had the revelation of the cross, what it really meant, how we really can serve God, how we really can, can uh, uh, live in victory, how we really have the answer for sanctification, how we really have the avenue by which holiness is bare out of our lives. None of, the, none of those other folks had that revelation, just Paul. And these men come down and you know they're, they're, they're belittling Paul. He wasn't one of the twelve. He didn't walk with Jesus. He, man, if, if, if he would come up there and learn something from James, John, and Peter, man, he could get somewhere. Because the, the, as the Scripture we read, it's about a person. Persons here. 
They, they, you know, and that's how we people are. Some people will exalt this preacher and, and belittle that preacher based on uh, uh, a million things. This preacher can sing, so everybody goes to his church not knowing they're going because, he's, because he can sing. Or this preacher's got a big building. He's got this, he's got that, and they'll run over there because of what he's got. And listen, Paul says, look, I ain't looking at your person. It's not the persons that are on, on, or this is about. It's, this is not about me or Paul or Peter, James, John. This is about Jesus. This is about the truth of the gospel continuing. And folks trying to bring me back under the law are, are blockers of the truth of the gospel going forth. Hmm. And I've got that in my notes. I'm sure these Judaizers were attempting to find or attempting to, to lord over the Jerusalem preachers above Paul. You know that was going on because of what was used in that scripture. Paul said, but of these who seemed to be somewhat... Not only did they come and think those preachers in Jerusalem were at a higher level than Paul, they thought they were at a higher level because they were from there. And I've seen that even in, in our years of ministry. You have people that, and I heard a story, I won't even tell you where it's at, it's in another state, it's outside of the great state that God loves, Texas, and, uh, it, and, uh, and it was... It was uh, a group of people came from a certain ministry that is a big worldwide ministry, and they'd left there, and they moved to this other state, and they moved in this church, and they, well, we're, God sent us here to help, and those people were just so excited to see anybody coming to help. They were a small church, and the people came to help, and they moved in there, and because they were from this big church, they thought they came in with some authority to change some things, and they wanted to see some things. So they wanted to change some things, and, and the pastor said, well, that's really not what God's called us to do. We're called to, you know, to stay focused and do this. Now, I don't know the details, but anyway, they ended up leaving uh, the church, ended up getting a divorce. And, uh, and so, you know, people that don't have anything to add, which means their faith must be in the cross alone to be able to add anything. Listen, and folks have come into these cross-preaching churches for, for as long as they've existed, and, and, and listen, they do it so honestly, most of them, because they come in in ignorance. They don't know they're trying to stop the work of God. They don't know they're attempting to hinder and to bring folk back under the law. But, but we, like the Apostle Paul, once you get this revelation, you, you become determined. Once you've been in all that mess out there and God has revealed to you through many ugly things that that didn't work. See, Curtis, this always works because faith in the cross, the cross is the manifestation of God's love. And God is love and God can't never fail. Love can't fail. And when we place our faith in what Christ did at Calvary, now we have a God faith. We have a faith that God is driving by his love. And that's where we find the grace of God functioning in our lives. And Paul knew that. And he was about no way to go back. And even though they were walked with Jesus, they had his life story, and they had thousands upon thousands of people there in that church, he was in no way going to submit to a person's uh, level of some kind of uh, authority because the people, we only have as ministers a certain sphere of influence anyway. Some have a sphere of influence over regions, some a community, some uh, just their home or a job they have. Others over a big part of the world or whatever. But how we walk in that is by God bringing people to the ministry that can add something. And they can't add to these ministries who are walking in the truth of the gospel unless their faith is in the cross. Paul knew that. But contrarywise, verse 7, on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me, and the gospel of the circumcision was unto Peter. Let's read verse 8. It wouldn't make sense if you didn't. For he that wrought effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. At least they recognized folks were getting saved. Now, when they was getting saved, they would send brothers out to try to get them to, 
to start obeying the law, to come back under the law. But at least they recognized that, that there was, Peter was called and Paul was called. And, and make no mistake when you read this, that there's not two Gospels. There's not a Jewish Gospel and a Gentile Gospel. The Bible clearly says that God tore down that wall of enmity and He made the two one. He removed the enmity. There's only one way. There's only one door in the kingdom. His name is Jesus and it's through the blood. I don't care what man out there has got a massive following just like Jerusalem did of saved people but were zealous of the law and living according to the law. Listen, I don't care who they are. We're not looking for popularity. There are people in our area, and this is in every, every town, every city in, in the world, Christians flock to these churches so because there's a lot of people that go to there. They can help my business if I get in and meet people. And all sorts of reason folks go to church that's not the will of God. And because the preacher's more known than you, your little old church, bless y'all's heart out there in Queen City, Texas, on the side of the road, a little metal building, man, y'all should just shut that down and come over here with us. We got all this going on. Yeah, but are you preaching the gospel? I, I didn't ask you to tell me you're preaching. Are you preaching when you open your Bible? Are you explaining how this Bible relates to Christ and what He did at Calvary? It is. To that degree, my friend. It's not twice a year, five times a year on Easter. It's every time we stand in the pulpit. If, if, if God's Word is going to be presented in truth, righteousness is going to be seen. Proverbs 12 and 17 reveals that. So, he says, on the contrary, when they saw that the God... And let me say something about Paul and Peter. This is amazing. I read this in uh, John Phillips' commentary. Great commentaries. Uh, he said that when Luke wrote the book of Acts, everything that Peter did and he recorded, he also recorded Paul doing it. He records Peter's first miracle. He records Paul's first miracle. He records uh, 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 Peter dealing with a magician. He records Paul dealing with a magician. He records Peter being broke out of prison. Paul being broke out of prison. All, so many similarities there that Luke recorded all by the, under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So to prove, to confirm that there's just one gospel that God works in, that God calls us to, and that God calls us to minister. And the power of that gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, worked in Peter's life and Paul's life. And it's amazing what Luke wrote about both those men. How Peter walked and people were healed by his shadow. How Paul sent handkerchiefs and people were healed. And so many similarities. And Luke covered all that with great purpose. Great purpose. The Holy Spirit hasn't left anything out. So we don't need a new version of the Bible. When we write new versions and we change them, we're really saying, God, you missed a couple of points. I'm going to help you, though. Oh, boy, we're so prideful it ain't even funny. <laughs> don't let this confuse you because there's only one gospel. But apparently Peter was called to preach it to the Jews while Paul was called to preach it to the Gentiles. To some degree, that's a factual statement. But let me tell you about Paul. Wherever he went, he also went into the temple first to preach it to the Jews that were there. Because the Bible does say it's to the Jew first and to the Gentile. You know, take it to the Jews and then take it to the Gentiles. And the, and the Jews that won't believe, they'll be made jealous. That's why we were grafted in. Because they rejected it. Read Romans chapter 11. They rejected the gospel. Therefore, we were grafted in to make them a jealous people. Because no longer do they have the benefits that fall through grace to his, from him to his people. But the church has it. They can be a part of the church, but it will only be through the blood. He says, For he that wrought, verse 8, effectually in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. And I just told you about the, the likeness of Peter in Paul's life and what Luke, by the power of the Holy Spirit, recorded. I find that absolutely amazing. 
Because God, you know what God does in His Word? He puts everything just like it needs to be so that we won't run off with any conclusions or, 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 or things that we, we determine. He always, it's just like John 17, 3 comes to mind. This is eternal life. He's about to tell you. You've got the definition of it in your Bible. This, let's look over and read that together. I don't want to miss one word. John chapter 17, verse 3. This is great to have highlighted in your Bibles to know this because this is the chapter and verse where eternal life is defined. And the point I'm trying to make here is the Holy Spirit brings always brings the confirmation of what we're to believe in and be in Christ. Always. John 17 and 3. And this is life eternal. Okay, what is it, God? That they might know you. Wow. Can I tell you today, if, if, if you come to Jesus for anything other than being forgiven of your sins so you can know God, you hadn't come to God yet? Eternal life is to know God. Not to get some pass on hell and then live uh, the way you want to. Eternal life is knowing God. Hmm, boy, somebody need to hear that. And this is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. Powerful, isn't it? Eternal life defined right there by knowing God. And how do we know Him? Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's how we know God. That's how we have eternal life. And let me say it again, eternal life, when you were born again, you received the knowledge of God. You can now walk in the knowledge of God. You and I are commanded to grow in the knowledge and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise God. Powerful. So the recognition, and let's just, let's just take the last couple minutes here to remind ourselves what this letter is really being written by the Holy Spirit to these churches for. The same reason it's so relevant today. It's because there are more people out there trying to spy out our liberty. There's more people out there trying to pull us out of this freedom that we have in Christ than there are people trying to pull others into this freedom. Think about that. The church in Jerusalem probably had somewhere around 30,000 or so, maybe even more. If 3,000 got saved on the day of Pentecost and they had families, and back in that day, did they have some families? And then their families had families. So if 3,000 got saved on the day of Pentecost, how many people got saved after that, the day after that, the week, the month after that, the year after that? And you're talking probably 30,000 or more people in the church. They're in Jerusalem. And, and these are people who are, they've been born again. They've been saying, I believe in Christ. I believe He's the Christ, the one God sent to forgive us of our sins. I believe that. They were born again. That's all you got to do to be born again. You hadn't got, you hadn't got to learn sanctification before you can be born again because you can't learn it till you are born again. Amen. But they were born again, but they were more zealous now than ever for the law. And, and they gone back under law, and the folks coming out of that place talking about, you're not saved till you're circumcised, according to the law of Moses. See, that's trying to pull you out. People that'll say today, and whole denominations been built telling folk today, they'll tell you in a heartbeat, if you're not saved, I mean, if you're not water baptized, you're not going to heaven. Well, I'm glad that I know the truth of the gospel. That doesn't include water baptism. Not for salvation. Water salvation. Paul even said, God did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. And if you look back in the book of Acts and you see the calling and what God called Paul to do and why he called him to do it, you'll see that water baptism couldn't have played a part in that. So if you're teaching works, and water baptism is one, then you're trying to pull people away from the liberty they have in Christ and back into a place where they deny God. That's what was going on in the early church. That's what's going on in the latter church. But there was a remnant. There was a remnant there is a remnant. There is a remnant 
About 21 years ago, this message began to go across the airwaves. Churches began to pop up in old Piggly Wigglies and old grocery stores and sporting goods stores. God is doing a great work right now. Hallelujah. We're not, no longer ministers declaring all the things that are going to happen as good is coming. I'm telling you, we're right in the middle of a move of God. Right in the middle of a move of re- another reformation, this time sanctification. We're experiencing right now the power of God. It will get greater. There will be more. But we're in it right now because the message of the cross is the only thing that will bring you to God and teach you to live by faith in Him. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you've been blessed today. I have. I hope you'll tune in next week. I hope you'll do more than like this message. But share the gospel. Share the truth of the gospel to social media. Like and it's for you. You become a part of its movement when you share it. And invite your friends, co-workers, relatives to watch. They need to hear something that's not milked down. They need to hear the truth of the gospel. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week.